What's going on, everybody? Join us today as we continue our episode on being African versus African American. Listen in closely as we unpack what it's like to be married to a black man in America. My wife's going to unpack her childhood experiences of not fitting in as an African with the black kids. The remedy of self-hate and how the slavery narrative plays a big part in how we do or don't see ourselves. What we call the racial totem pole. And raising a black son compared to raising a black daughter. This and more right here on the Black Daddy Podcast. Hit it. One, two, three. Daddy. You're listening to the Black Daddy Podcast. Oh, yeah. And um, then we take a class together in college. This is later on in our college career called uh, Understanding Human Diversity, um, where this unpacking of what does race mean? What does it mean to be uh, prejudiced? What does it mean to be discriminatory? What is white privilege? Is it white privilege? What does racial bias mean? Um, what does it mean to have? What is culture? And for what me, is ethnicity? what is ethnicity? Yeah. yeah, like really wrestling with like the, these terms and, and the nuances of like of really what it means to be like the identity as human as individual. That's the first time for me where I began to put uh, vocabulary to some of the questions that I had wrestle with maybe growing up where the first thing is wrestling through this idea of uh white privilege i'm never forget the exercise where we, we were all like outside and he would he would ask questions oh yeah his wife came yeah his Jessica yeah. came his, in. his yeah. wife came she, and she asked questions you take a step forward you take, like yeah you take a step forward a, a step backward yeah, okay. and in a way it it was meant to show those who have privilege in America. Yeah. I don't think back then that she labeled it as white privilege, but it was just like, okay, so like, for example, it was a question like, um, take one step forward. Uh, if you have uh, ever experienced uh, someone being mean to you because of how you look. Yeah. You know? Or I know it was like, I, I remember, you know, take two steps forward if your parents have their high school degree and right. three steps if a college degree or a master's right. and right. and then but then like a step back if you grew up in a single parent household yeah. or you know something yeah. like that yeah. and then it kind of just it's, I think the questions too had there were a lot of lifestyle questions mm-hmm. which also showed that you know there's some racial disparity amongst right. like, certain right. things because then when you look around in your class like yeah. you know we're all doing it as a class exercise right. and you see who's sort of further ahead who's behind because mm-hmm. you did have some people who grew up in like rural mm-hmm. America white mm-hmm. people who were yeah. further behind yeah. than maybe some black people who like me like my right. dad was a doctor you know so I might right. have five steps ahead of right. you know something like that so right. yeah it was interesting right. yeah. and what I saw in that exercise was um, although you do have, you know, black, white, you know, Latino, all these different things that are meant to be divisive. Um, one thing that I never forget is uh, it was either the definition of university or something to do with America, but pretty much like, yeah, I think it is like an American term. I think on the back of the dollar bill where it's uh, L pluris unum or something like that, where it's like out of many come to one. Okay. But then also the definition of university is diversity. Was it like unity within diversity or something like that? Was okay. like so it was like unify whatever. So yeah, yeah. I remember uh, kind of taking that exercise and seeing how, wow, like like you said, just like there are quote unquote poor whites or people who live in rural areas who are white, they may have a lot of a lot of things that are synonymous with black people. Yeah, and also you have some black people quote unquote who 
live in a middle class, upper middle class who don't really know what it's like to, you know, deal with some of the things that may be a lower middle class right. Latino may, you know, and yeah. so th- things aren't so like cookie cutter, like, right. oh, like since you're black, you're this, or since you're white, you're this, right. you know what I'm saying? And so it really gave me more of a lens of, oh, wow, there's more diversity and nuances even within a racial class. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, um, so talk a little bit about your experience of being maybe married to or even like in our you know engagement dating phase of seeing me unpack maybe what it means to be a black man in America and how you've had to really like see the evolution of that and see yeah. my wrestling and, see, and, and be really I mean a way be like oh wow like this is what yeah. all of that is yeah definitely uh, I think the first thing is that as a couple I think early on it was clear to those around us and then to ourselves that we were very unique mm-hmm. not just because of the cultural and racial um, I mean the cultural and um, the cultural differences but mm-hmm. because of uh, just the way just kind of the fabric of who we are I think we're both old souls you know and mm-hmm. so there's certain things that come with that but it was for me I never fit in anywhere like I never fit in anywhere so you know I had the whole thing of like I told you you know England and then um, being in America uh, but then like my cousins who came from Ghana were different than my other cousins who were here that because I had the British thing I couldn't relate to the ones that were born here and then um, and then obviously not fitting in with any Americans like and then I had a lot of cousins who grew up here maybe grew up in different neighborhoods than I did and did have friends who were black like mm-hmm. they you know they didn't have any beef with black people you mm-hmm. know or they did but it was those black people but they right. were cool with these black people and so it was good and, you know. and then you have me over here who's friends with the Indian and the you know like <laughs> I know all I know about Spanish food I speak a little Spanish I had like I know about this and that like I just a lot a lot of diversity amongst mm-hmm. my friends and different things and and I didn't fit in anywhere mm-hmm. and and even the ones I did, so to speak, fit in with, like felt comfortable with, mm-hmm. I still didn't fit in them. Right. Definitely was the only one, you know, mm-hmm. who looked like me. So early on, not fitting in only set me on a path of, in a way, accepting that I will never fit in anywhere. Mm-hmm. And that's really when I said heaven is my home. That really is something that <laughs> was, I whenever I heard that, like at a young age, like in a somewhere. Hey, man. I was like, hey, man, yeah, heaven is my home because I don't look like none of this. I don't fit in nowhere. <laughs> you know, it just, that for me was, was really real of like my identity really is in Christ, you know, and, you know, so anyway. But back to, um, <laughs> back to, being with you there was people like you as far as just a black man in america african-american always got a bad rep in my culture like it wasn't anything to aspire to to be with someone like you but once again because i was someone who looked at the inside of a person that wasn't a barrier for me but um you know definitely like maybe my family it'd be a red flag like Mm -hmm. if you were a white guy Mm -hmm. it'd be maybe a little different you know Mm -hmm. um and not because of not anything of even getting to know you but just off the face value from the jump right and so after some time you know with you i really started to understand and empathize with the struggles of being a black man in america whereas when it was when i was growing up i think that there was um, there was a lot of stereotypes 
from my culture towards yours of like um, y'all are lazy. I think that was the biggest one because <clears throat> for someone to uproot for emigrate to immigrate, you know, to this country, um, seize opportunities and just make their advances, whether socioeconomically or whatever, to be successful. But then here you are born in this country and can't do that. It was something that I think, um, you know, my dad's generation looked at in, um, you know, it was baffling to them and they didn't have any respect for it, you know? And so I think that that was a big part of it of like, um, not, I didn't hear much about the slavery aspect of it though. And I think what you enlightened me to was the reason why there's sort of that, the man mentality or that sense of like being held back or crabs in a bucket or black people hating themselves or whatever it really came from that history of slavery that someone like my dad wouldn't have had to grapple with you know and so um it it's something that I've definitely come to understand I mean even to the point of and I think being here in Florida in the south and you know just in recent years of like the Trayvon Martins and Mm-hmm. different things like that that have brought to light a young black man in America that's made me like just grateful I don't have a black son you know mm-hmm. honestly you know just grateful that you know because even though they would be half Ghanaian so half African half black man like to the world they just black yeah. you know and it's just like that's really I feel like when I was growing up it was like being a black woman was sort of the end of the totem pole. Like it was like you want to be a white man, white woman, black man, then black woman. Mm. Whereas now it's like, nah, being a black woman is pretty legit. Like, you wow. know, we have things going for us. Being a black man is like um, the struggle is real. Wow. The struggle is very real. Oh. That's how I that's how I view. That's my perception. Yeah. Um. I mean, I think for you, you're a different kind of black man. Sure. You know, like your parents raised you in a way that mm-hmm. um, you have a lot to be proud of, of who you are. Your family is proud of you, and, and rightfully so. I'm proud of you. So it's definite, and you're not lazy. Mm-hmm. You're, you're very hardworking. <laughs> um, the stereotype has been dispelled. Hallelujah. But, but you're, and then, but even with that, the definition of hardworking is different. Absolutely. Like you're not out here with five jobs, right. like, you know, my Haitian brother might have, you right. know, so is so even with that, it's different. But I definitely have respect for what? No, don't, don't, don't disrespect to our Haitian brothers and sisters. We're not saying that y'all all have five jobs. So just, that's not what we're saying. You know how you got you got to clean things up sometimes. But what's wrong with that though? Nothing at all. To me, I respect like growing up like I respect like I had uncles who did have. But that's what I'm saying. Well, see, I I think even 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 in or it can be looked down upon. Absolutely, even even in that because jobs and not a career or something. No, not 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 even that though. But it's like like why did you pick Haitian and not Mexican or not some other ethnic group? Well, I wanted to say African. 
So say African. Oh, okay. See, you see, you see how that how that. <laughs> but Haitian I said Haitian because I didn't know if you because you were talking about you growing up. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Like, gotcha I didn't okay. know if you okay. could relate to that. To that, to that more than African. Right, right, right. That's crazy, That's man. But see, even even in in, in 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 the comments, it's like it's so interesting how like even as you were trying to relate back to something that I had referenced previously, um, it's just interesting how like how. Our Haitian brother, and we we both have like really close great friends who Absolutely. are Haitian, right? Who uh, that's not even that's not even the issue, but it's like it's just interesting how like certain, like you said, certain stereotypes, yeah, can are, are just so quick to roll off, off off of the tongue. You know what I mean? But anyway, so um, so yeah, and what's interesting about your thoughts on uh, my upbringing, like how my parents raised me, et cetera, et cetera, it was like even with that, and I referenced this on a previous podcast. Um, I believe uh, them and me um, am I black enough if you want to check that out you can that episode where I talk about this dynamic of in my family how there was this saying that my my brother and I uh, my parents raised us to be white or we were more white than black because they pushed us to you know get our education to go to school I'm saying like there were there was just certain stuff that they ain't take no mess on like it was like you ain't gonna be you know what I'm saying on the block like you're not like it, it was just certain things that were just understood like it just was not even it wasn't even our world and so what's interesting with that is that I know for both me and my brother struggled with are we black enough because um we don't have hold on a second yeah we struggle with this thing of like man like are we black enough because we don't have street cred or we don't or we don't get in trouble or we don't mm. you know what I'm saying do certain things that to society would be synonymous with being a black man and, and those same things are the same things that sadly if you take you know what I'm saying a um, a, a Trayvon Martin situation um, or you take the situations uh, in Ferguson, like the, the Mike Browns of the world, um, or you take even something where you have a much older black man in Eric Gardner up in, in, in New York last summer, where um, as a black man, like you said, which is so interesting, uh, it's like a, a undesirable thing to be a black man in America. Because like nobody don't want that. Like you don't, no. <laughs> nobody don't want that plight no. because of these situations. Um, but I, I definitely appreciate just kind of the, the unpacking of both my and your experience growing up and, and then how it's affected uh, in, in a lot of ways, like our marriage, like, you know, my my view of myself and kind of going back to something that you mentioned, like just the the self-hatred. Um, I think that a lot of and they and, and we won't say it like this. Uh, we won't say I, I hate myself as a black man. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the media portrayals or if you look at the real life situations where you know black men are gunned down or whatever the case is um it perpetuates this idea that your life is worthless mm, to yeah. the to the point to where you can be gunned down and like we recently saw um with the situation with the uh, tamir rice in uh, I, I believe Ohio where you have a 12 year old boy I think it's 11 or 12 and uh, he has a toy gun um, within seconds of, of a dispatch call he's gunned down by police and 
although his family was um, was paid for the damages, I, I guess they they phrase it as um, a, a, a very healthy you know, payment and settlement. Uh, in, in the letter that came out from the police department, it was phrased as um, not like we're sorry for the strategy, but it's like we hope that other young people will learn to not play with guns or not to not play with things with the appearance of guns. And so, mm-hmm. you, so, so whether you take the gamut of someone <clears throat> who was 12 years old with the, with the Tamir Rice or someone who is, you know, middle, a middle aged man, like Eric Garden, like you said, it's synonymous with black men because they saw Tamir Rice as being a man, not a child. That that's, that's why they would, you know, gun, gun them down like that in cold blood. Yeah, I think like after like seven, you're not a child anymore. Which is crazy. If you're black. Yeah, you're not. You're not afforded that. Yeah. That luxury. Yeah. Whereas like my daughter, you know, she'll get to be a child longer. Yeah. Than if she was a boy. That's crazy, man. That's crazy. Um, so these are just some of the the nuances of uh, what it means in our household of kind of that, that struggle of like what it means to be black, what it means to be African-American, but yet having this identity from my wife of being African and then us raising our children. Um, and more notably, more recently with our daughter, like her being connected to her, to her African culture. Uh, and big shout out to my brother, Robert Jelinas of the Sankofa experience. Um, he highlights in a number of episodes on his podcast, just this, this idea uh, of, of us returning to our roots um and i really appreciated some things that he unpacked with that experience because uh he notes that um even in his own experience there there's been this longing to find out where he comes from um mm-hmm. and i can definitely identify with that but i, I love it that our daughter um in a lot of ways because of of your heritage and because of what you were given, um, she has a direct link in us, you know, to where uh, her bloodline goes back to at least part of it, you know. And so yeah. I'll do some 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 work here prayerfully, you know, in, in the future to, to figure out my side of things. But uh, super, super cool. But like we always say, superseding all of that is uh, our identity in Jesus. I mean, I, I think that um, that that for us in particular for me has been so uh, valuable because my identity is foremost hidden in him. Um, not to say that, you know, that I don't have my days of struggle, you know what I'm saying? But, um, that's not my starting point, uh, in terms of from a deficit, but now I'm coming from more of an abundance because of who Jesus is, uh, and because of his identity afforded to me. And that's, and that's the heritage that supersedes, uh, our natural heritage that we pass on and that we will pass on to our children. So, um, that is super, super dope. And we're so grateful for that. So boo, any last thoughts? I mean, I have some questions, but it's okay. Nah, go for it. Shoot for it. Okay. So as a, Say it freely. No, I'm tr- I'm trying to say it loud. It's not that. I'm blagging up brown. Say it loud. Are you done? I'm done. Okay. Do you think <laughs> that you're American? Like, do you identify with being American? Definitely. I have been so grateful to have a, a whether it be with my job as an educator or. Um, 
you know, with business things, working with people who are worldwide in voiceovers, uh, I definitely have an identity as an American. Like there's in particular. Are you, are you proud of that? Um, whenever it affords me opportunity, I am. Like I'm like, yo, this is awesome. Like to be known as an American. So because with American comes a certain level of maybe prestige okay. or a certain level of opening doors. Yeah. Um and does it ever embarrass you? To be American? Yeah. I would definitely say yeah. If you look at again things globally, you know, some of the things that we participate in, um, some of the, you know, was all the way from health to the you know, the the uh the prison complex system and just that that pipeline to you know what we experience morally and in our country absolutely there there are definitely things to be ashamed of um as an american but what's funny is that like like, like i said you know whenever it affords me an opportunity i'm glad to to run to that you know but some of the good bad and ugly or most of the bad and ugly of it it's like i don't like that you know but am, am i one of these dudes who in their blackness um, is going to, you know, for like forego or put down their Americanness. No, because I do realize that probably in no other country would a story like mine and others be, be possible that, you know, mm-hmm. you know, the descendant of quote unquote slaves could in my situation, you know, be at a uh, at a school that's 97 percent white and be a teacher and mm-hmm. be afforded the luxury and be afforded to stand on um, the path that was paid by the civil rights movement and the, and the bloodshed of mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and and the bloodshed of you know um, my, my descendants and so uh, I feel like only in America and only in our time would a situation like that be able to happen okay so why do you think it is that if African Americans don't know where they come from, it would cause them. Is it almost? Is it like you're a cultural orphan? Like what is it comparable to? I really can't relate to it, and I, I try to understand it, but like why it would make you like yeah. lash out or or go inward to self-loathe or. Yeah. I definitely think that um okay so not knowing where you where you come from um that leads you into into coming from what you're given so like the narrative that we're given is you're the descendant of slaves mm-hmm. right so when so when 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 you build from that it can either go to two different ways it goes um I'm going to get my piece of the pie of the American dream or I'm going to, you know, uh, be this and do that because of that or in some other instances. And again, I I, I want to emphasize some other instances, not, you know, the majority, but in other instances that ends up becoming a blame game, like because of this narrative, we have been held back for 400 years and because of that, and which I, I do believe in systemic racism, like I, I do believe that that there are systems in place that perpetuate in 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 different ways. It perpetuates privilege in mm-hmm. different situations, right? Um, so, uh, 
so when you're given that narrative as your origins, um, it is you just start from a deficit. Whereas this is why I have a lot of respect for my brothers and sisters who are you know pro black. I, I don't agree with, with with their narrative of redemption and you know and all that stuff, but they are reaching for another narrative that tells you something differently from what you've heard, which is that you have a vast amount of value. Now, do I agree that all of us were kings and queens in Africa? No, like, uh, actually, the narrative is that, like, uh, the kings and queens, like, sold, sold the slaves to, you know what I'm saying, to the, um, to the, to the, quote unquote, the, the man. But, um, but I think that they are right in that the narrative that they are painting is that, hey, like, there, there, there's a story to your lineage or to your origins that is before the narrative that you're given as slavery. And I think people who search for that or who ask those questions or, you know, or who long to know that, I think what they're reaching back for ultimately is um, is is a sense of of this value because everything excuse you that wasn't me that was my baby girl because because everything around us um if we listen to the voices tell us that um you gonna eat the microphone baby everything around us tells us that um that you're not valuable or you can only have value in these sectors okay yeah you know what I'm saying Hmm. Yeah, it's deep. Yeah, it's deep. Wow. So that's a lot to unpack. Um, pretty sure um, there'll be other episodes around this thing. But uh, hey, girl, I appreciate you. Love you. Thank you again. Love you for the uh, continued dialogue. Yeah, we love you too. <laughs> All right, Black Daddy Podcast. Over and out. Can you say over and out? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's adorable. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Peace out, people. Listeners, we'd love to hear from you. Have questions, concerns, or comments? Email us at hello at blackdaddypodcast.com and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Black Daddy Now. And as always, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast in the iTunes app. See you next week on the Black Daddy Podcast.